Thank you. Next! <laughs> okay. First things first, your exes should be blocked. You know, acknowledging the good things and moving on. We're not about bad vibes here. Are you relationship experts? No. no. <laughs> My pants were wet. <laughs> it ain't even about BDE anymore. It's about thank you, next energy, yeah? Everyone's got their Christmas tree up already and I'm stressing out about finding the perfect wreath to go over the fireplace because what's more Christmassy than that? Mm, very true. I haven't done all of my Christmas shopping. Have you? Is that a joke? I don't, I don't buy anyone Christmas presents. Oh, you're not going to get me a Christmas present? Well, this is the thing. I know you're the only person who would kind of think I'm going to get them one, so I'm going to get you one. <laughs> you don't have to get me one, but... Um... No, no, no. Basically, I've all... every year... <laughs> Look at me guilting Hardy into a game. No, no, no. Every year, I've always got a friend in my life who I know that it's their thing. So out of respect, it's like, okay, I'll do it. Oh, it's fine. You don't have to. But um, just in no, case no, no. you're listening to this and thinking, do brown people celebrate Christmas? Yes, we do. Roger saying this because my landlord asked me after I specifically told him that I do. Yeah, and many people have asked me if I do. And I'm just like, really, guys? Have you seen my tree? Have you seen my decorations? You know peppermint candy cane things? Yeah. No, sorry, the peppermint lollipops, the round ones. I bought giant yeah. ones of those that light up and I've put them in my front garden. They're freaking banging, bruv. That's how much I celebrate Christmas. So sit back down. What do you mean? Can you take a picture, please? Yeah, I'll take a picture. I'll do it for you. Anyway, welcome back to Thank You Next, the podcast about turning your L's into wins. I'm Raj, and this year I've already lost Whamageddon. I'm Hardy, and I'm not as festive as Raj. You know what? I feel like you take all <laughs> holidays and seasons and moods to the extreme. I just, I feel them lightly and just... Yeah. Uh, yesterday I was walking around North London and Islington and it was very wintry. But other than that, like I've got no decorations, like not really. You're not going to put a tree up? We might. Have you got one? We're not getting a plastic tree. Not around these ends. What do you mean not around these ends? Is it too trendy for a plastic tree? No, no, not around these ends. I mean with my housemate, environmentally friendly housemate. We don't do no plastic. But it lasts forever. My tree's lasted forever. Yeah. But then I don't think it... Anyway, this is boring. <laughs> uh, this is not the environmental Christmas tree podcast. It is Thank You Next, as Raj already said. And on this podcast, we look back on the hours we've taken in relationships and in life, uh, basically figure out what they have taught us. So we turn the L into a lesson and rebrand that failure as a win. Just give us a job as marketeers. We're, this, we're marketeers, mate. We could do this for you if you want. We can do this for everybody. We can turn your L's into wins. We can and we will. And if you have an L that needs turning into a win, you can email us. Email address coming up very soon. Anyway, so on today's episode, we are joined by podcasters Emma Slade Edmondson and Nicole Ockran from Mixed Up Podcast. And Mixed Up Podcast is a podcast for mixed race people and anyone who wants to better their understanding on race and identity, mate. They've had some sick guests on. Emma and Nicole have just won podcast of the year at the Blogosphere Awards. They've been featured in Marie Claire, Grazia and more and are writing a book that's coming out in March 2023, yo. So we're going to find out more about that. And we're also going to find out what they're saying thank you next to. You can also tell us what you are saying thank you next to. You've got to be saying thank you next to something at this time of year. There's always some up. You can also send in some of your suggestions for what we should do for our Christmas special. We're in a bit of a predicament here. Uh, we're basically thinking Christmas lessons from a movie. We did the holiday last year and I was talking about love actually, but Raj 
absolutely hates it. I hate it, but we can revisit it if you really want. I've never seen it. It's and awful. then Raj suggested Christmas songs, which are equally as irritating slash toxic. And I hate those. So we don't really know what we should do. So what do you think we should do? Please email us at highfankynextpodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you want to hear. And we will make it a reality this year. Christmas wish. Yeah, your Christmas wish will come true. If you have any ideas, do share them with us. If you're not into emails, you can slide into the DMs and follow us on socials at Thank You Next Pod. We just want to shout out Rupa, who's planning a little giveaway for our listeners with us. That's coming up soon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The year of Thank You Next, guys, is coming up. Oh very my soon. God, our anniversary which I'm also getting you a gift for. Don't bother getting me one back because, you know, um, I don't want you to feel pressured into getting me gifts. Gift giving's one of your thing though, isn't it? Isn't it on your... I think it is. I think at the top was quality time, but I think it is. We also want to shout out Ravni, Aisha and Emma for sharing their Spotify Unwrapped with us and shout out to you for being here. We appreciate you. We love you. We also had a boy... We were his number one. We were Ollie, a boy's number one. With. Shut up. He was, yeah, yeah. He's the one I, I shared it, but I took his name out a lot. Why did you take his name out? That, I was like, who is this mystery person? Uh, some people, I mean, like the attention, I didn't want it to be like, it's on us, you know? Oh my God. But Ollie, send us a voice note, homie. Like, tell us what's going on. Next. <laughs> So guys, we are gonna just do a very quick catch up with each other in this week's shit that's gone down this week. Hardy wants to talk to me about something. So I was on Twitter the other day. Right. And what was trending? You know what I'm gonna say. I don't know what you're gonna say. What was trending? You know what I'm gonna say. I don't know. Look at me, Raj. Oh, yeah, what? What was trending? What's this? I don't know what you're doing. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What was trending? You don't know. I don't know what. Chloe and Tristan. Chloe and Tristan. Oh, God. Again. I'm sorry. This man is trash. I need to know your take. Tell me what you know. I know that he's cheated on her again. With a personal trainer, got her pregnant. This is the thing, yeah. The cheating so complex. It's not even complex. This is how This is how we're going to break it down. This woman is nine months pregnant or whatever. Or I think she's nine months pregnant. I'm not sure. She is saying that she had sex with him on his 30th birthday, which is when he was posting pictures with Chloe, which was when they were together. So this is a cheating that's come They're out. They're still together now though, aren't they? No, I don't think they are together now, but it was cheating. As in they were together until this cheating thing came no, out? No, I don't think they were. But basically... Oh, so they're not together now? They're not together now, but do you get it? He got her pregnant while he was still with Chloe. So, and oh, right, also right, yeah. there no, was a tweet it. that went around and there were, there were tweets that went around because this lady who's got pregnant, are you ready for this, yeah? He offered her an amount of money that I can't recall. Oh yeah, I've seen this. He offered her... 95k or something. Was it 95? All right, there you go. If it was 95k, he's offered her 95k, apparently, not sure, we're not sure, to abort the baby. And he sent this weird message being like, all you're going to get is is an absent father. You're not going to get money out of this because I'm a retired athlete. I'm going to retire soon. The worst thing is, how does he think you're not going to get money out of this? Why is he taking zero responsibility for his part to play? So yeah, he's trying to pay her off. He's obviously shitting himself, but he's trying to persuade her like, I'm unemployed. So all you're going to get is unemployed, whatever the benefit is of that or something. And saying the best that you're going to get is the 85 or whatever grand it is because I'm unemployed. He's trying to do some reverse psychology. I just think there's not a more trashier person than Tristan at the moment. And there's no, it's not a coincidence that Tristan's name goes so well with trash. Oh, she said it. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you, I went back on Hinge, but we've kind of talked about it. But I went back on Hinge and I actually matched with someone this week. And I'm really disappointed at the caliber of what I've matched with. Let me have a look. Let me see. Oh, right. Sorry, I need to show you the profile. I hope I don't call him by accident. 
That says it all, Raj. He looks like a prick. <laughs> let me see what let me see what that first profile. Raj. Raj. Sorry, guys, I'm gonna describe it. He's got a picture with loads of trophies. He's got a picture kissing a dolphin. He's got a picture with his um he's wearing a polo neck and he's got the sides flipped up. And then what was the other picture? He just he's lying back, like acting cool. Raj! I don't know what it was. I just thought, you know what? I'll have a go, right? I'll have a go. No. I've had a go and like basically he's just a snob. He's just full of himself. Raj, he looks like a twat. I think I'm going to unmatch. I just wanted to see. What... Do it now. No, actually, I don't want you to do anything. Um, that you're going <gasps> to regret. Do it now. He I'm does not going to regret it. I'm not going to regret he it. He doesn't look like a nice boy. He looks like an arsehole. Oh my God. I just thought, you know what? Let me just see what's going on. And this was it. No chat. One of his prompts is like, oh, I want to find someone that loves music as much as me. So I ask him what music he likes. And he's like, I like dance, bhangra, and jazz. Can I just say, I think any man that likes jazz, they usually don't like jazz. They just say it to sound like they're cool and to sound different and to sound like, ooh, I'm into jazz. I think it's a red flag to like jazz. Do you think he's got the ultimate jazz soundtrack 2015 playing in his car or something? Do you think he's got now 22 jazz? Jazz. <laughs> jazz. He's got like generic jazz. Jazz. Or... It's me. I listen to jazz. Date me. There's been once or twice where I felt like I need to be in the jazz mood. So I go on Spotify and I just put in jazz and see what it offers me. And I, when I listen to it, I'm like, this isn't me. But I want to be that. There's nothing wrong with jazz yet. But I guarantee you, these guys that throw it around on dating apps, they don't even like jazz. They're just using it as a little thing to be like, I'm going to impress a girl. And yeah, I like jazz. Shut up. I think it's quite aspirational to like jazz. <laughs> uh, I'll take you to a nice jazz bar uh, if you want. We could we could That's do good. that for our anniversary. Oh my god. We could do actually. Yeah, I could take you to a jazz bar. Next. So we mentioned earlier that Emma and Nicole from Mixed Up Podcast are gonna be joining us today. So let's find out what they're saying. Thank you next to Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having us. Oh, thank you for having us. Congrats on winning Podcast of the Year at Bloggersphere Awards. For our listeners who might not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you, please? Oh, yeah. I mean, Emma, you you kick us off. Thanks, Nicole. Pass the buck. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So we are Emma and Nicole, and we host the Mixed Up podcast, which is a podcast which focuses on race and identity and conversations around this, but very much through the lens of being mixed race. Of course, because being mixed is such a huge, huge spectrum. We're so lucky to speak to people all the time because we have guests who are you know, don't reflect our personal experiences or our heritage or, or our cultures. So yeah, it's really interesting. We've been doing that since 2020, the summer of 2020. So it's still quite new. But yeah, it's just been an incredible ride so far. And you had on my absolute favourite dream guest of all time. Who? Charles Melton. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, not Charles Melton. Uh, do you know who Charles Melton yeah, is? Yeah, I know. Charles Melton he's on our list do you watch Riverdale yeah oh, he's on our yeah. list he's on I our would list. literally die if you ever speak to Charles Melton you actually <laughs> I will pay you to just let me be on the zoom <laughs> like I will yeah. but no I'm actually talking about Jack Fowler okay. who's like second in my list of top you know I actually remember you uh, oh, mentioning look. this on a podcast or one of your episodes I think do you know how much I love Jack really I'm so glad you guys <laughs> had him on yeah. he was great 
we, we just had such a laugh on that episode, you know, it was just like so fun. Yeah. This is what I think is so amazing about some of these episodes is it's like, although the topics we're discussing are pretty hard hitting sometimes, we always seem to manage to have a really good laugh and it's just bants as well. So yeah, it's it's really nice. Yeah, he was great. Mm, and you two met in the DMs, did you? We did. <laughs> We did. We did. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember. I think it was Emma who messaged me and was just kind of like, oh, I've seen you about. Shall we get a drink? (laughs) Really? That's so forward, Emma. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I am that person, apparently. How do you Um, ask me for a drink? What the fuck? I know that's the thing that people do, like ask people to go for drinks, but it's just like not on my radar of something I would want to do with people. So what, you mean the drink or the actual meetup? Oh, I want to do the (laughs) meetup. Just not the drinks, yeah. It's like like what people say, but I'm just not, I'm not used to it. I still want to be like, want to meet at the park on the swing, but that's not what people do. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, me and Raj also met in DMs, which is what Raj mentioned it to me earlier, that that's how you guys met. To be honest, I was trying to um, coerce Nicole into doing something else because my... my, It was a different project. Yeah, my normal um, work life is really much more focused on like sustainability and fashion in, in that sense. And so I was trying to get Nicole to come and be part of my new series. It's not new anymore, but it was at the time. Um, come secondhand shopping with me. So it was completely, completely separate. But we just, as soon as we met, we just started talking about this topic. And it was just kind of obvious that we needed to do something with it, I think. And is there something in the timing of when you guys met and started? Because at that time was you know, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd. And that's what everyone was talking about. Was that our first meeting? We joked that we needed a podcast because we just would not stop talking. Like the whole, we were meant to, again, just like, just meet and then like go off and do other things. But we met and we like spent the whole day together um, just talking. So so this was like in 2019, this was before. So this would have been like 2019. Um, And so that, December we decided okay like let's do a test run like let's record ourselves and like see if we could actually do a podcast and like see what this is all about so we did that went away for Christmas and kind of just didn't like put it to bed we were just kind of like okay like that went well like we'll we'll revisit that when we need to revisit it and then all of a sudden obviously COVID hit over that winter and then by March we were stuck inside so we decided shall we just do the podcast now because we've got nothing else going on. It seemed like the perfect time. We were at home. Everyone else was at home. We wanted something to do creatively and obviously people needed something to listen to. So yeah, that was kind of how it happened. The two things coalesce though, because when we, it was an incident that we released at the time Mm. after, at that time that basically George Floyd had just been murdered. But at the same time, it was almost like we it, it was needed, like there was a calling for it because all of a sudden people were sort of clamouring, mixed people specifically, to to know where their voices fit in that moment because I think it was quite stressful in that sense of... There was very much a like binary black and white conversation. So, you know, for those people who whose mixed heritage is black and white, I think that there was quite a like strained feeling 
as to how they could speak to the issue, how they could speak to how they were feeling and whether they would be accepted or rejected in that. We ended up recording a pretty intense episode about how we were feeling about that. And I think people just kind of like swarmed to it a little bit. You know what I've noticed just really randomly as I'm thinking about it? I think people used to hesitate, or people I know anyway, to even just use labels, Mm. you know, of like black or white. Yeah, They'd be like, there's a man over there, describe them. They are, they're tall and they're this and they're that. Whereas like, even just now, my housemate, she showed me a picture of um, the US congressman who's had a family portrait and they've all got guns in their hands. Oh my God, I've not even seen this. I'll send it to you on Twitter. Send it to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I've missed something already. I'm not surprised, but I also haven't seen it. So I'm like, what? What is this? Okay. You can imagine Yeah, exactly. It's just like holiday, happy holiday. But (laughs) she was like... It's just such a white man. She's white herself, but it's like, we wouldn't have said, we wouldn't have been using these terms. Yeah. I don't feel like as much before. Yeah. And it's that thing of like, I go into meetings now and, you know, I work on podcasts, I produce podcasts for people and then you cast them, right? Mm. And then we're just kind of like, yeah, we just don't want another stiff white man talking about this. Mm. And, you know, the room that I'm talking to is all full of white people. And it's perfectly acceptable for me to say that now. Whereas before... I would never have been able. Yeah. And like, I think even companies, they're thinking about that. They're thinking about, oh, why do we always just have white men talking about everything? It was a turning point, I think, majorly. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just really sad that this is what it took to make people even think about that stuff and that they weren't thinking. Out about of interest before, when you wanted to broach those things, did they actually even get broached or did you have to dance around the subject? Or like, how how would you broach that? kind of thing maybe i wouldn't have said it as much anymore because i work at a black radio station so now i would i could say more now okay you should really only hire black people whereas i probably wouldn't have said that which is wild if it's a black radio station i used to say at an asian radio station that i used to work at they used to hire white people all the time and like the thing that's weird about it is that there was south asian languages being spoken and you know music so I didn't really understand like, but how can you hire someone that doesn't understand the language and can't comply the audio and things like that? But it would happen. So uh, yeah, I used to kick off about it then, but like, I mean, it was a completely different reason. That's so interesting. Yeah, I never would have thought that that would even happen. But I, again, I don't know why I would be surprised by something like that. Just some of our experiences like of late, it's like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all anymore. It's, it, it, you know, obviously you're always kind of like, you're you're always like, seriously though, are we all like here hearing is this? Is everyone okay? Yeah, yeah is everyone okay? <laughs> and sometimes like now, I think the difference with me is now, whereas before I'm doing that on the inside and like, hoping that my face on the outside is just communicating okay right 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 probably on the outside I'm also like literally turning around like is everyone okay yeah it's true it's true it's true Nicole we have to ask you about this tweet that we saw right okay yeah you tweeted this in (laughs) November and it just says um what is it about being American that is just so embarrassing What's that even mean? Oh, this is what it was. I was at the airport. I was flying back here. I I had just been home for like two and a half weeks. And I know it's like, it's already difficult enough traveling. You know what I mean? Like, it's already very stressful. Now with COVID restrictions, it's even more stressful. So you have to be like super organized. And like, you just need to be on it. And I find Americans traveling, Americans in any airport or any kind of travel situation are the worst. 
because they just expect everybody to, to either do things for them or just like that their behavior is just like acceptable. I don't know. It was like, I was just watching this family. You have to have your like fit to fly. You know what I mean? Your PCR test like done. You've got to like fill in this form. It was like this whole thing. And this family like comes and is just like expecting again, like we're traveling during normal times. And I was just like watching them. They're getting upset with the flight attendants. They're getting upset with everybody. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I'm really, I was like, you, you can't be serious. Like, why aren't you ready? Like, everybody else here is ready. Why aren't you ready? I'm ready. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, so that was the thing. I just like had to be, I was just sitting there. I was just like, this is so cringe. Like, it was just like. So it wasn't about you. I thought you were going to tell us a personal, like, I thought it was going to be something about you that you thought you were embarrassing. <laughs> but this I is. I mean, I am embarrassing. <laughs> I could be embarrassing. But this moment in particular, I was just watching was really embarrassing for me. I was a bit embarrassed on behalf of Americans everywhere. I was just like, wow, we are really shit. Like, I get. No, I was like, I, 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 was like I get why people are annoyed with us because we're uh, we're fucking annoying. Like, <laughs> and like obviously you're in the UK, you're here in the UK. So like, do you you know on the podcast you guys talk about like what you identify as? So Emma, you yeah. identify as mixed race. Nicole, you identify as black, right? But do you identify as American or British now? Oh, I'm Amer um, I'm American. Oh, okay, so. fine. Definitely. Yeah. How long have you been here? I've been here for 11 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Somebody told me the other day that I that I could claim London. And I was like, I'm I was like, I'm cool with that. Like, I would be OK to say that, like, I'm a Londoner in the sense that I live in London. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm British because I don't have British British citizenship, I guess. So, yeah, I'd much I'm much more inclined to say that I'm American. Wait, what brought you here though? Um, so I I moved to do my masters. I studied journalism. Ooh. I went to City. Oh, yeah. I thought you were gonna say a man. I was just like, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure we'll get to those problems um, later on. <laughs> Wait, which problems? Ma uh, man problems. Men problems. What? Um, yeah. Oh, man problems. What's, oh, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. what's both of yours relationship statuses at the moment? I'm happily married for five years now. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. I am actually separated from my husband. Um, <laughs> so that's been, that's been something that's happened over this past year that was uh, yeah. pretty shit, but it's fine. You know, I'm getting through it and it's, it's okay. Are you healing at the moment? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I'm feeling like happy that it's like we're closing out the year and I'm just like, this is a good opportunity to like put everything behind me. And it's like, this is a nice close just you know i'm divorced so i've been there and uh yeah it's it's a shit time it's a shit time but you'll get through it it is yeah but i think that's the thing that gets me through a, a lot of like through this in particular but also like a lot of hard things is that it, i know it's not permanent i'm kind of like I, when it feels bad it feels really really bad but being able to be like this isn't the end my life isn't going to end over this has really helped because yeah it's really easy to get stuck in like that feeling of just like this is the worst I'm glad you can relate that's really nice that's really comforting <laughs> yeah I'm sorry you're going through it it is fucking shit and uh, I mean yeah. you're saying you know you feel like that I used to feel like this is it that's it what's, what's my life now where am I gonna go what am I gonna do oh my god 
god yeah oh my god 100 percent. i feel like that was what it was in like the very very early stages i mentioned my dad to you before like before we started recording and he's quite like a spiritual guy and he's like really he's like such an i find him to be like such an anomaly amongst men in general but like he's like really quite like inner he really encouraged me he's just like you've made some like incredible decisions in your life and like you're gonna move forward like you're still so young like you know none of this is the end kind of thing so that definitely helped as well i mean obviously having any support is is a huge help i'm really interested to know actually though like from both of you like do you feel the pressure from yourself or externally from other people and their expectations of like your life and where it should be both I know that I put a lot of pressure and expectation on myself I know that for sure and again like it's the same as if like if you or anyone else were to come to me and say you know I'm getting divorced or you know I've split up with somebody or you know whatever I know how I would react in that situation which is you know with love and empathy and like complete and total understanding whereas for some reason I got it into my mind. I was just like, this isn't how this is supposed to go. This isn't your life trajectory. You know, where did you go wrong? What mistakes have you made along the way that have brought you here? You know, and so I really put that on me. There was a lot of heavy expectations I put on my own shoulders. I think also because we get a lot of like outward projection of stuff. Like obviously my parents have been happily married, like, you know, for like 30 something years. Um, you know, same with a lot of my other relatives, but also I, you know, I know friends and family who have also been divorced and like, or never married and like, it's never been an issue. But I think, again, that kind of like societal view of like sticking things out, you know, making things work and, you know, all of that kind of stuff or like, you need to do X, Y, Z before you're like 30, before you're 35, before you're 40. I definitely internalized a lot of that stuff. So I think I would say it's both. I mean, or at least that's how it felt for me. I felt exactly the same. It was all me. It wasn't really society. Like, I don't really hang around with people who, I don't know, a lot of my friends got married really late and the ones that are married are very chill about it. They're not like, you should get married and you should have a kid yeah. by now. And, you know, all of that. And I got married kind of late. I think I was probably what, I can't even remember, 2016. I don't know how old I was. Wait, maybe I was 34. I don't know. Oh, what a grandma. <laughs> what a like, grandma. I was thinking like, oh, roughly the same age as Kim Kardashian when she got married. I don't know, but anyway, no. but her second marriage, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I was just joking, by the way. I put so much pressure on myself yeah. to make that marriage work and to stick it out and to make sure that to make sure that I was going to end it for all the right reasons and I wasn't just going to walk away because it was tough right now. And my parents were like, no, mm. you know, you need to leave. Like, it's not going to work out for you. Blah, 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 blah. Come back home, come back home. Wow, so your parents are, re your parents are really supportive. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They were so supportive. Same. Mine were too. Yeah, and we're lucky because not everyone has that story. And I mean, I think especially, you know, my mom's from the Philippines, my dad's from Ghana. This is not what african and asian people Same. do really <laughs> yeah and i remember you know the first time i mentioned it to them and i was just like wrecked and like humiliated and embarrassed and they were just like why are you embarrassed if you could tell anyone about this it should be us like why would you feel like you can't take this to us so that was incredible like i can imagine there are people mm. out there who don't have that kind of support but when you do, yeah, it, it relieves so much. You know, I think a lot of like the anxiety and like guilt and shame <laughs> um, that you can feel around that, they they helped me with that a lot, for sure. I only started talking about it on the podcast recently, like literally hardly, what, two episodes ago? This is the first time mm. I've ever mentioned it. Anywhere. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, 
This is what I mean. It's nice. I'm so glad, again, like you said, that you can relate to what I'm saying because yeah. it's also that thing of like, I'm literally terrified of like dropping a bombshell on people. I think that's the other thing as well. It's that I find so strange is that like I'm telling people something quite serious. So then they feel kind of bad as well. And I'm always just like, but it, like, it's okay. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. So you like made you that to, decision. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you've got, you feel like you've got to comfort them as well. Like, it's, it's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lit. It's like a lot of like weird conflicting emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I went to eat the other day and um me and my friend were like, "Oh, let's get a nice drink." And we didn't mm. want an alcoholic drink. <laughs> and then um the guy was like, "It's okay. I'll go get you the menu of like non-alcoholic drinks." And um not saying a separation is like what I'm about to say, but anyway, <laughs> he came back with this menu and then um he was like, Oh yeah, I love these drinks, blah blah. I don't drink anymore. And then my friend was like, Why? And he was like, Because I was an alcoholic for ten years. I'm really like, you know, when things are awkward or whatever, I don't ever really feel it. But at that point I was just I was like, I don't know what to say, but he shouldn't feel any way about it. He can say it. Yeah. And good. But it's also like I didn't know what to yeah. say at that point. But I was kind of glad he said it because it's like this is real because it's true yeah exactly i think that's the other thing as well it's like i can't control well how other people are going to react or how they're going to feel about it and like that's that's fine like that's that's on them like in certain moments i just have to of course just be honest about what's going on so yeah speaking of honesty you are very honest in your instagram captions you quite a lot of the time talk about things that you've been talking about in therapy or thinking about that's quite a brave thing to do by the way oh thank you I feel like I'm just like a serial overshare I feel like I just <laughs> I can't help but overshare maybe it's an American thing I don't know what kind of reactions have you got from people from the things that you've shared I mean yeah they've been really incredible I think that the the strangest thing for me I think being on the internet I've always used it as like again this kind of like online diary style type of thing kind of just saying what I'm feeling feeling and thinking because okay, maybe it's because I'm an only child and I didn't have anyone oh else my to God, talk snap. to. We're the same. Raj we is also an only child. <laughs> like, we're like this. Shit, what's your star like sign? This. Quick. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Now Raj is a Taurus. <laughs> you are my twin. <laughs> Emma, what's your star sign? Cancer. Oh, we get on with Cancers. Okay, I'm a Pisces. I feel Ooh, like we're all getting yes. on here. What we're, all working, we're all working. We're in the zone. Fuck. Earth and That's water. That's mad. That's yeah. mad. Oh, fuck. Uh, that's so funny but yeah the reaction from people has always been like people have been so gracious and like sharing their own experiences with me and like you know giving me advice on grief for example or like you know telling me um that they can relate to feeling insecure about my body for example like those kinds of things like people have been like amazing like over the years and just like so generous with everything that they've come to share with me like it's been I've only benefited from being honest and and vulnerable with people online. So again, like I haven't been sharing much about, you know, getting separated and things like that, but I know it's coming and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, people will again, continue to just be like super supportive. Of course they will. So yeah. You know, there's a point though, I've thought recently with, you know, oversharing and stuff, not oversharing, but you know, sharing your story and just being like authentically. Yeah talking about things being honest I feel like you know because of the kind of work that we do we can do that Mm. but then also we do like me and Raj do like a bit more corporate work as well yeah sometimes I feel like that is at odds with this so it's like okay say if I was going to talk about my mental health or make a joke about mental health or 
I don't know, uh, the other day at work, I did, I probably said something I shouldn't have said about mental health. And then I was like, oh, fuck, if this gets out, then it would look like I am crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone goes for it. So, yeah, I don't know. I can really relate to that. Really? Yeah, really. I think I had a lot more maybe sleepless nights than you when we started the podcast, Nicole. Yeah. I, I literally used to be awake at night after recording me like going over everything I'd said like should I have said that Mm. should I be sharing that like as somebody who runs not a corporate business but who is the owner of their business and who has to procure clients and the main reason clients come to me is me and they it's it's a it's a trust thing yeah I look after a lot of people's proverbial babies like when I'm building their brands or looking after the way that they talk about their businesses and so I definitely had never been so honest and open about any of the things that we talk about partly because nobody ever asked asked us and we've talked about that how nobody really ever seemed to be curious about this stuff yeah or know that there was any stuff to be said (laughs) but also I think because especially with my family situation my family is just my family and I feel like you know similarly like the way people react to perhaps you talking about separation when it's just a thing that you're going through or Mm. a thing that exists in your life I feel like maybe sometimes the reactions people give to what for me is like really normal life can kind of shake you a little bit yeah the kind of two realities merging or something I still have quite an old-fashioned view of how you project yourself at work as a business owner versus the real you I guess that is 100% 100% the authentic you that you you can share all of yourself in and I think we we kind of have to get as close to that as possible with the podcast I'm sure that you you too feel like that as well but still when it comes to work I feel the same I'm I'm kind of freaked out by those people who are my clients and my potential clients knowing that much detail you know what I've realized you're the hardy of the podcast because hardy is that person like where she'll be like Raj you shouldn't have said that Raj take that bit out I'm like you know what I mean yeah. like, be like, no it's fine it's fine yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's fine if I said yeah. that and that's Nicole Nicole be like no leave it in leave it in leave it in I love that you do have that same <laughs> dynamic because like no. I'm like oh my god like dynamic. yeah it's crazy yeah. it's actually crazy um it's so it funny. is yeah. I was gonna talk about an episode of yours that I heard where you guys were talking about Meghan Markle Oprah and uh Harry uh, good old Harry and that there was a missed opportunity there to hear from mixed race women and their experiences of racism and I, I really wanted to talk about that so 100 like what is that about because you mentioned that people think that mixed race women don't get it that bad yeah so I, I guess I will start from the thing that I noticed that kind of jarred me a little bit was again it was like it was an opportunity obviously as usual places like you know Sky, BBC you know all the big news channels you know wheel out their talking heads yeah good morning Britain wheel out their talking heads and of course that was you know such a major story you know her talking about her mental health and um, thoughts of suicide and everything like that it was so 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 deep like that interview is just like it's groundbreaking stuff what I found so strange was obviously noticing the rhetoric around Megan, whether it's um whether it's in news publications or on TV, 
even down to Twitter and people just talking about her in general, is that, you know, when things are great with her, people are fine to chalk that up to her mixed race privilege, her light skin privilege, right? And then when these very, very serious things happen to her and her family and her child, she's then seen as a black woman. And, you know, and 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 even again, like I said before, like in media picks and chooses the times they want to refer to her as black or mixed or you know her white father or her black mother these kinds of like really specific details and so what i found really strange was that um and and we talked about this on the podcast is that like here was a real opportunity again to you know invite mixed women with all of the different experiences because of course my experience is going to be nothing like hers um to to speak to that um and it was something that was that was solely left to to black women to to monoracial black women i found that odd because again you know in in any instance where for example if we were talking about colorism or if we were talking um to any you know any other issue that was about blackness in particular if emma and i rocked up on Good Morning Britain, we would be absolutely torn apart. As the only spokespeople. As the only ones, exactly. As the as as though to say again, you know, this is what this represents. Like we are here to represent the black community. You know, people would not be pleased with that. I found that really difficult. Again, I just think because a lot of the times we can't be honest about that and how that looks. Emma, I'm sure you have more and more to say and are you more articulate. I than always me. have so much to say about this, but yeah, it's really it's really layered and complex because I think there's also a feeling that we're everywhere. Mm. And that for me is an example of how like it's like we're everywhere, but we're actually nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, as Nicole said, was a prime opportunity for us to come and speak. Not us personally, but people from the mixed community. Yeah. To come and speak. But nobody was invited, it seems. And so yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one because it's all part of this people identifying us for us. When it suits them, we can be part of their community. And when it doesn't, we're not. And I think more often than not, maybe we're not even considered a, a group that is of note to be spoken to Yeah, about specific experiences, which is odd given that we are the fastest growing demographic in the UK. Um. And, and you know, we started this podcast because it struck us. It's, it's kind of odd that nobody's really asking these questions and wanting to know more and understanding the intersects of race in this way and of our experiences. And, and I know, Raj, you said earlier, you know, you identify as mixed. I identify as mixed and black. And, you know, I believe that it is my right and every mixed person's right to be able to have that dual identity and it just what it is like it's I think maybe difficult for people to understand because people have only just been started to talk about this but yeah it's yeah do you think that the reason why they didn't go to mixed women because the people that are booking it they don't see that do you know what I mean they're just yeah I, I mean I reckon so I feel like that's part of it absolutely they wouldn't even consider that they just saw this as an opportunity to get controversial opinions you know whatever whatever it might be just from whomever agrees to go on all of us working in this industry get you know why they why they want certain people to come on and speak but I completely agree with you is that that thought would have never even crossed their minds about the type of person to to invite but it's also because these conversations in the media are still for the for the most part still so binary and Mm. simple 
like they're so basic Mm -hmm. like people don't really are not getting into the layers and like you say Raj it's also about who those people are that are doing that commissioning and that are doing that casting or choosing of people to come and speak yeah it's just really interesting how Megan obviously has in our opinion suffered some of the most disgusting racial abuse that we've seen in the media in the UK in our lifetimes and yet we're not still having this conversation about mixed race not being some sort of blanket application and we're not going deeper into the levels of like that intersection of class nationality and circumstantial situation so yeah it's just it's I think that it would have been much more intelligent conversation to have brought that lived experience across a number of mixed people to to the conversation really you know if anyone's listening that is a decision maker something will click in your mind right now and things can change (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I actually did hear one of your episodes earlier about blackish grownish mixedish I didn't even know mixedish is a thing but I really (laughs) like grownish how do you guys feel about mixed race representation on tv I actually met somebody, an actor from Shadow and Bone the other day. I was really excited. Oh, because hey, I, really I love it. that show. Yeah. It was, it's a great show. I was doing a job and um, it was like Westfield, <laughs> randomly. Um, and he was just like, <laughs> he was like an actor. It was like part of this thing. And he was like, oh, I was in Shadow and Bone. And I was like, oh my God. I was really excited. Anyways, but I, I'm saying that because obviously that's, I felt like that was like a really cool new example of telling a mixed story that didn't, feel so oh this is just a mixed person who's just cast in something as part of a black family for example I'm using I'm using black because so many people feel like oh you know Zara Shahidi is in everything Zendaya is in everything you know there these are the the quintessential kind of mixed actresses or these are the mixed actresses of the moment so people feel like that they're everywhere whereas I would say and Emma and I have spoken about this on the podcast a few times We feel like mixed, again, mixed stories are so different. Like they're so nuanced. I've never seen a family like mine on TV or in film. And what I loved about Shadow and Bone in particular was that it provided an opportunity to talk about the duality. It provided an opportunity to talk about feeling conflicted or even feeling like, again, people are prejudging you because you should be like this or you should be doing this or, oh, you're too much of this and not enough of that in a way that was different because it's it's in this in, in this fantasy world mm-hmm. yeah and we don't get those stories very often at all um so again even you know however people might feel about you know blackish grownish mixedish whatever it, it's so amazing that they're able to talk about these family dynamics and see again you know even just family um mixed families reflected back at you um because yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> so, um, so, so it's been, it's, it's really nice. I think the stories are definitely few and far between though. For mm. sure. One that sticks out for me is another one that you've talked about on the podcast, but another one that I loved and I always say to Hardy, we have to do a special on it is Ginny and Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love so that you guys cute. talked about, yeah, that scene, there's this scene where it's Halloween and oh, um, yeah. she comes down and she's like, we're going to all dress as Britney Spears, different mm-hmm. versions of Britney Spears. And her black friend is like, oh, 
that's you kind of is the vibe was like that's mm-hmm. you yeah that's not yeah, for me kind of thing exactly. like you're not and I think that side of things I've never seen on screen before and I've heard those conversations amongst my friends yeah I've heard that stuff I've never seen it in a tv show and, I'm, never. and I was just like wow like this is going to make a lot of people feel very seen right now 100%. but have you guys ever experienced I'm assuming you have experienced where like someone's trying to insinuate you're not black enough or you're not white enough or I mean, Ooh. every goddamn day. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, not so much now, me as an adult, but a hundred percent. I mean, that scene with her and her friend, I was like, that's like my entire high school career. Absolutely. Like, that was my whole high school life was feeling so. In that moment, she's like humiliated. And I felt that humiliation. I've definitely been there in that way of being like, I'm doing something wrong or like, I. I haven't been raised in the right way to to be black, basically. So I felt that that was that was really really deep. And so as a teenager, even in even in young adult life, you know, there are comments from people that you know have really really triggered me. And so seeing that scene, I was just like, oh my god, this like it brought me straight back to that because I've always been you know, such a little emo kid and like loved punk music. You're into punk, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and like stuff that like, (laughs) although again, like looking back at the history, (laughs) this is not an uncommon thing because, you know, Mm. obviously, you know, so many incredible black musicians were rock musicians. And that's where, you know, all of these famous bands got their inspiration from, of course. So, so I felt really affirmed in that knowledge, you know, over time when I learned that, because when I was a kid, I was just surrounded by white people at gigs. And I was just like, clearly, like, I'm the one who's sticking out when really... That's hard Yeah. <laughs> yeah that she was went me. to a JLS concert and everyone else was... Oh, God. She was the only brown person there. Yeah, that was recently. But when I, yeah, growing up, I'd go to... Uh, where did I go? Like, scouting for girls and... Oh, yeah. You know, things yeah, like boy. that. And yeah, it's just yeah. so, Pete Wentz yeah. is mixed. And you would never know. Yeah, his there mom is go. black. Emma, what about your experiences? I mean, I think I had one of these experiences on Friday, but kind of like maybe the opposite way to your talking to your talking about. Okay. We went out to a press event and I definitely feel like I was made to feel by the staff that I wasn't white enough to be in that particular place. I guess that's an interesting one. Like, obviously, I'm mixed race and I am white and black, but it's not like I would ever identify as white because mm. you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that that was just a reaffirmation of not being white enough to claim that part of your heritage when, yeah, in those spaces. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Not white enough, not rich enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not white that's enough, not sure. rich enough. But definitely black enough to be racially profiled and uh, humiliated in front of your peers at a professional event so yeah that is interesting then coupled with when you when you see like for example one of the reasons I'm not on Twitter is because I am not interested in exposing myself to some of the like sick commentary on how like mixed black white people are not black yeah black enough and that's something that is like you know an ongoing rhetoric so I think that, you know, that's a very good example of, of where you mm. find that experience on a daily basis. But yeah, like Nicole said, I had m- many experiences of that, like growing up. I've even had an experience of clients challenging my ex-clients, no longer clients, um, <laughs> challenging my knowledge around blackness in regards to a campaign that we were doing. 
which is weird because everybody there was white. So I was definitely the most qualified person to be speaking on this issue. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> yeah. But even there, it's, it's so like, bizarre. It's really difficult to understand and make sense of. Like, I can't yeah. seem to really get it. I feel like, though, you know, being brown, when you meet people sometimes, I feel like they meet you and they're trying to see how brown you are. Yeah. Mm. I get that mm. a lot. Mm. So, like, oh, do you know the language? Blah, blah, mm. blah. Do you? Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of, again, this. Uh, one of our interviews we had with um, with Doc Brown, Ben Bailey Smith, and he was talking about being entry level black. And I'm not brown, <laughs> but I can imagine it's like people really try and like test you. You know, I mean, it's mm. like they try and like suss you to see how much it, how much you are, or if it's too much or not enough kind of vibe. Yeah. Like it's really weird. It's really weird. What's your experience been like of dating? Here we go. Let's go there. I've, I've got to speak my truth. So really and truly, any time I've dated or have tried to date black guys in the past, the insinuation, I've been outrightly told that I act too white or I don't know enough of X, Y, Z. Um, so I've been, again, like made to feel not black enough for black men so that was weird for me and again like growing up they didn't really pay attention to me very often because of the circles I ran in like I was in theater and like did choir like I was not cool <laughs> not that not that like we think you're cool we're like yeah Raja's, got, Raja's talking about glee club <laughs> yeah, in her hand exactly. and she's thinking about it yeah she could read my mind she's like it's way cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you two are the same person so <laughs> me and Hardy for like yeah okay <laughs> Yeah. I was literally saying yesterday I hate yeah, musicals. See, I love musicals. Yeah, yeah. I love musicals. I don't like musicals where people dress as animals and personify animals. Oh no, I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh you I guys really... should watch Tick Tick Boom on Netflix is so good. I love it. Because I loved Rent, oh, so I was already all over that. I haven't seen Rent, so I'm dying to see Rent now. Oh like. my you need to see Rent. Wait, what is it about the animal thing? I just find it repulsive. Like I find yeah, it like, like so Ugh. weird. Like it yeah, makes me feel really icky. I'm like, why are you dressed as animals? Like pretending to be animals, but then you're humans inside the animals. Like, oh, what about the lion king? Even though it's I can't exception. even. I don't even. You can't like even the watch the lion king. No, I think I, I know what you like mean. It. I just that was the most embarrassing thing about drama when we were at drama <laughs> school. You know when they were like go around and act like an animal. That was a thing that but was like that. Nah. And that was like and that was first lesson. And then they out. add the singing on top of that. It's like an additional level of like of oh, cringe. Cringe. <laughs> <laughs> It's bad enough when, like, you're watching TV drama and someone just starts singing randomly. Like, and then you're like, oh, shit, it's a musical. Sorry, guys. It's a musical drama. It just throws me off. It just throws me off. I'm like, no. This can only be done on... Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean as well. I, I'm much more into humans acting like humans, basically. Sorry, back to your experiences. That was mainly my experience. Um... So, yeah, I have dated a lot of white guys um, in the past. And and I think, again, you know, in terms of things that I find I always found difficult um, to hear was like, oh, it's as like, as though when people find that out about me, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course you do. 
You know what I mean? Like, because you're mixed and that's what you do as mixed people. So it kind of perpetuates the cycle with black men as well, because they are also like, if they find out that I've either dated or have been with a white, they're immediately just like, oh, like you're one of those. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's like this like perpetuating like cycle of just like... Bloody hell. <laughs> rejection. <laughs> um. I can't be that person who diminishes my relationships just because the person that I'm with or have been with is white. You know what I mean? I don't ascribe to those things because there's nothing wrong with dating white people. We've spoken about this in a, in, a, in a previous episode, you know, about interracial families and like my parents were the first interracial couple I ever saw. And, and it was never an issue for them in terms of culturally you know in terms of their values in terms of like how much they loved each other like all I saw was that so it was never you know choosing someone based on their race was never going to be a consideration for me so I mean that's basically my experience <laughs> thank you next we're going to get into your lessons now and the first lessons coming it's a joint one from Emma and Nicole so one taught me Men who don't come to pick you up from your door are not worth your time. This is controversial. Is it? I think so, yeah. I think so. Yeah, Hardy was like ready. She's ready to like ask you loads of questions. Tell us about this and where does this come from? How did you learn this lesson? So this comes from a rule my mum had when I was growing up and basically starting to like want to date boys and think about boys. My dad had this rule. And she basically said to me, you can only date, you're only allowed to date if the boy will come and pick you up, and collect you from the house and like introduce himself and then you can go. <laughs> Which obviously at the time was not what anyone was doing. Like everyone was just like going to meet outside McDonald's and like hang around in the like shopping yeah. centre and you just like meet someone outside River Island. Is your mum a small Filipino woman? <laughs> slash, uh, <laughs> slash, slash... <laughs> I feel like her spirit obviously was like sadly I think her spirit is this her spirit is that of an immigrant yeah 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 it is she was like quite militant and strict about those kind of like she had these ideas my parents are the exact same but what that taught me was from a very young age I feel like I knew what it looked like for a partner to go out of their way to show you that they like respect you and that they care enough to do the things that are being asked of them, even if they don't necessarily understand exactly why at that time, because obviously young boys did not understand, like 14 year old boys did not understand why they were being asked to do this. But were they scared? Weren't they scared to like knock on the door and be like, yo, it's me. <laughs> well, I think as a result, I didn't really, as a result, I didn't really have any dates. Oh, <laughs> which shit. is obviously the plan. Look at your mum. Yeah. Wow. Mumsy was like not um, a fool. Like she was no, no fool. She like, had wow. set this up. But there was one time when she got her bluffers called, basically. Oh. So when I like was on a family holiday, I met this boy. We were in Cornwall. And he was probably the first boy that was actually interested in me. Like, obviously, like, we chatted and stuff and we exchanged numbers. I think oh. we had a kiss on the beach Tricky. at one point. Ooh. Oh, romantic. <laughs> yeah. Romantic. Um, <laughs> but basically, he lived in Birmingham. So I think my mum thought it was all quite safe 
she was like, mm. you're never going to mm. see him yeah. again. So <laughs> happy days for me, like parental worries over immediately as soon as the holiday is over. So he obviously <laughs> like went off home. We went off home, but we continued to talk on the phone like every day, pretty much. So cute. And then one day he said that he was coming down to visit and that he was going to like we could go out and he was going to take me out. Oh, this is cute. Anyway, I told my mum this, but she didn't believe me. Oh. And then one weekend, I just got this call from him from a telephone box. Oh my God. Basically saying that he just got off the train at Watford Junction. This is very cute. <laughs> my heart's melting. <laughs> and that he didn't, oh, have a, so he didn't have a telephone. He didn't have a oh. mobile because at that time, those yeah. times yeah. we didn't all have mobiles. Yeah. Was it a reverse charge call? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a very quick call because it was like the money was running down. <laughs> I'm and yeah, he basically was like, oh, I'm coming to your house. And I was like, okay. Uh, and he was like, how do I get there? And I had to like try to describe to oh my him, God, this is just so like follow sweet. this long road, yeah. turn left, turn right, do this, do that. And um, I remember getting off the phone to him and he was like, don't worry, I will get there. Oh, cute. And I told my mum, I was like, Danny is actually in Watford and he's coming and you said that if somebody comes to the door <laughs> like that I can go out with them but I was like but also I tried to get her to let me leave to go to find him because I was like it is a bit deep like he's just a young boy that's like yeah. literally roaming the streets with no phone no map nothing but she wouldn't. She was just like, no, the rules are the rules. You know the rules. Wow. So if he finds his way here, what? happy days for you. But if he doesn't, that's it. Sorry. Oh my like, God. It is what it is. So I remember this like anxious, like 45 minutes to an hour of like just waiting and like wondering, is he going to get here? Is he coming? He wouldn't have gone all the way there and not got there, surely. Oh, well, he it? apparently he asked people like, on the way he was just asking people like ah, what, how can I oh get God, to this place and like so you know proper old school like yeah just because he was from Birmingham as well so it's like maybe he like, had no idea oh my god bless him yeah and um, but yeah he made it turned up at my door completely upended my mum's rule of terror in terms of my dating and uh <laughs> yeah when I history. first read this when we were first discussing it earlier I was like, men who don't come to pick you up for a date aren't worth your time, right? And I was thinking, this is rude. Why are we expecting so much from dudes? Like, are we <laughs> going to do the same? Like, if we want equality? Like, I was like, I was thinking this. And I was like, imagine if, like, my brother, some girl's parents were like, you've got to come here and da 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 da. And I was like, no. But now you've explained it. I understand because it is kind of like a vetting process. It's it is a vetting process. 100. It is to make sure you've got some quality. Yeah. And my mum always did say growing up, like when you're seeing guys, mm. make sure you tell them, I know that they exist and that you bring them to the house if you want. And it was her way of being like, because if they're trying to do shady shit, they're not trying to meet everyone in your life. Mm. And um, that's exactly mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I'm not saying this is always the case, but I had cases of like meeting people who were like a bit dodgy and they, if I wish I had had more of a vetting process. 
like that. Mm, yeah, like my parents were exactly the same. And I remember I was like, this is so embarrassing, so humiliating because yeah, all the other fun. girls get to, you know, meet at the mall and do whatever. And like, I had to be like telling anybody who, you know, if I was, if, if any guy liked me or whatever, I'd be like, oh, my parents, like, mm. you have to like come to the door and like come and like pick me up or kind of, that kind of thing. And like, t- in fairness, like some of them like got it, but like obviously the ones who don't get it, again, it's like the yeah. bar is quite low. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Coming to yeah. coming to the door and saying hi to your parents, the mm. bar is yeah. pretty low. Mm. Um, or even 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 now as you're older, like coming to get you, that like that's quite a low bar. So like. A hundred percent. That was what my my parents. I get now that the message they were trying to impart on me was also like, don't waste time with these boys, men who aren't willing to put this time, effort, energy into you. It's like a bit of investment. Yeah, exactly. Although I wouldn't do that now with like, I don't know. Well, maybe actually it still would be good with like dating apps, hypothetically speaking. Say if you're on them and you're going on like dates or you're dating uh, part of me is like safety. I wouldn't want people to know where I live. But then again, I don't want to meet someone who wouldn't want to meet. I want my housemate to vet someone before I go out with them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like now, how do you make this? How would you? Because I feel like as kids, this is great. Like, and I would do this for my kids as well. But how? What would you do now when you're dating? Then, like, would someone pick you up? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it as like a you have to come to the door and come pick me up or like come know where I live if I don't know you. But I do think it's like, for me, it would be like assessing effort and enthusiasm in in other ways. Can they plan a date? Can they stick to a plan? Can they stick to a time? Do they ask you how your day is going? Like I said, the bar is in hell. Like the bar is pretty low. So like if if they can't even do the bare minimum effort, energy, enthusiasm, if you're not excited to see me or excited or excited to even tell me that you want to see me or make plans, those kinds of things, then what's the point? Like, I just think there's, I don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time for any of that. If you're not a hundred percent, I think with dating apps, especially it's like, we're in this, in this era of like, oh, we're just too cool to even be excited about seeing someone anymore. It's like, you have to be so like, uh, like you don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to be so nonchalant. It's just like, it's, it just makes everything feel shit all the time. It's like, no, I don't have time for that. I think that's the nail on the head. And I think that's what my mom taught me and what I've always held with myself. I would never date, be with someone like marry somebody who is nonchalant about me. If I get the slightest <laughs> inkling that you have any attitude of nonchalance about me. No way. You've come to the wrong door, my friend. Exactly. So <laughs> kindly remove yourself from my doorstep. Yeah. Because it's just not a thing. Like, it's not a thing. And I think that that's what it instilled in me. It's like, I am enough for somebody to come to our front door, yeah. put themselves out of their way as a teenager who might be a little bit embarrassed to do this because they've not be, had to do this, this before. before. Yeah. But if they have the steel to do this, that's step one of like, okay, you can, we can, we can talk. Exactly. You know what else is um really interesting about this is that both of you had that and both of you chose to go with that rather than lie and say, I'm going with my friends to the shopping center and go meet a guy there. Or did you? <laughs> or did you? You must, did you try? Yeah. What stopped you from doing that? 
Yeah. I, yeah, I was such a goody two shoes type of kid. I was uh, I wasn't like I wouldn't like tell on anyone, but like I was so really? like listening to my parents' instructions. Look at this uh, well behaved yeah. behaved human beings. To be fair, I mean in Virginia there's not a lot of places you can run away to, to be fair. <laughs> without the, without a car. And I didn't have a car again. So like all these yeah, boys yeah. had cars. I couldn't drive, okay. so I, I couldn't go off. I couldn't sneak off anywhere because I'd have no way of getting there. So, yeah. <laughs> Emma, what about you? You were in Harrow, so... I, um, in the beginning, it was, um, I obviously went along with all of this, but then as yeah. I got older and I, like, realised how to, like, cheat the rules, I obviously did cheat the rules. <laughs> okay. I, even, to be honest, I met Danny because, like, we'd gone on holiday and I'd taken a friend on holiday with me and we climbed out of the caravan window <laughs> to meet Danny and his friend on the beach. That's how that kiss occurred. So the, the rebel is in me. Like I was like, yeah. how far can I push these boundaries? But my mum obviously saw that and knew that. So she was like, let's get a set up in place because yeah, you're yeah. going to be trying to like mm. test this stuff. But mm. let's get a like let's get a basic like so base funny. level thing in there yeah um is danny who you're with now right just so oh, no. oh god no <laughs> i was like oh okay you know why because you were like and the rest is history and i was like what does she mean? I-, I just meant as in like my first sort of like oh, right, foray yeah. into the like dating dating, and dating scene. yeah <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's cute. cute that's very cute so uh, what what are you guys saying thank you next to? I'm saying thank you next to time wasters, a.k.a. anyone who doesn't show you any enthusiasm, energy, excitement for wanting to date you. Then they're just a waste of time. And that's a no go for me. <laughs> 100. I'm saying thank you next to the idea that if someone can't put the effort in, they stand any chance of moving forward with you so we're gonna get on to your second lesson and this one is coming from emma so one taught me that women of color are beautiful why on earth is this a lesson yeah it shouldn't be really but um you may have seen the i don't know if it was a meme or it was a tweet actually but that there was this thing floating around that said are you ugly or are you just a person of color and you grew up in a predominantly white area I just found it hilarious because I found it so relatable. I don't know about all of you, but yeah, that was like fully my experience of growing up. I feel like it was never, ever communicated to me at school, you know, meeting like boys and even probably into like, until I went to uni, probably to be, to be frank. Yeah. That I was beautiful, yeah. So I, I just, you know, you're not considered conventionally beautiful when you grow up in those environments where blonde and white is the thing. Oh, yeah, I related to that a lot. I think it was a TikTok. I'm pretty sure it was a TikTok because I'm sure I have it saved somewhere. But I agree. And I remember my best friend growing up was a beautiful blonde girl named Kelly. Um, I don't know if she'll actually listen to this. I, she follows me on Instagram, so that, this might be awkward for her to hear. <laughs> But I remember how all I was her best friend, but like all the boys at school, like were in love with her. Like, again, she was like beautiful, blonde hair, like freckles, like, again, very quintessentially all American style. And I remember feeling so like 
embarrassed a lot of the time. It was like almost as though I shouldn't be her friend because everybody loved her so much. And I remember we at school, we used to have, I went to a private school, so we had to wear uniforms every day. Um, but then like one day out of the month, we had like a non-uniform day. And on those days, Kelly would always ask, she would, she would always be like, oh, should we dress this, like wear the same outfit? This is obviously not anything that anyone would do now because this is just, this is yeah. just... <laughs> How I'm just painting a picture of how uncool we are. I mean, she was cool. I was not. I remember being like, I was. I would say yes, but I was like super like shy about it because I was just so aware of how we didn't look alike at all. Like we looked so different. And so yeah, like I definitely had that insecurity like my whole life. I think until like Emma said, like it wasn't until later on in life, college years maybe that I was just like, oh my God, like I've literally just been fully indoctrinated by this really Western beauty standards and just, just whiteness in general. Like I remember being, I used to be just triggered by blondes in general, <laughs> like as like a dating thing. Like I just, like, I was just so like, I found them to be the antithesis of who I was. So I was just like, I can't. Like, it's just too much. I've moved past this now. It's okay. I'm cool with blondes. Yeah. No beef. No beef with blondes. But yeah. No I, beef I, with Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> no beef with Kelly. It took me a while to to understand, you know, to really lean into to my beauty as well and understand what that's supposed to look like for me rather than trying to make myself look like someone else. I have a lot of that chemical, I think, that you know, like, happens to women when they have babies and then yeah they just forget things because it was like too traumatic, traumatic. yeah <laughs> yeah I just have that normally yeah because yeah I, I especially doing this podcast like I've remembered lots of experiences same would have made me internalize that for a while even though obviously my parents and my family always told me that I was beautiful and I sort of obviously I knew it and also that's also that why it was such a like head fuck to be honest because yeah I found it confusing I definitely remember thinking but I don't really understand what's happening here because I'm pretty sure like I just thought that was their job to tell me that like I didn't believe them I just was like it's your job as a parent to say these things I was just like you're meant to make me feel better and I know that's not true it, it, it is really sad. I, I feel like I knew I somewhere like I did know like I was a perfectly attractive person. And maybe that was actually a self-defined beauty thing or something that wasn't maybe about aesthetics. I don't know. But I found it to be I did find it to be confusing the situation because it's like not being picked yeah. for the team every time for years of your life and being like, but I'm really actually quite good at basketball. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know. <laughs> pretty good at hockey like what's happening but I also had some really horrific experiences that I've remembered from doing the podcast like two boys that wanted like one boy that wanted to actually for us to meet up but for it to be secret because he did he wouldn't he didn't want any body in our school to know yeah and that went on for quite a while and I remember a really horrible feeling of like I know that this is wrong and I know that there's like something really horrible going on but I don't you're like I don't know how to handle this or what to do about it yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and then there was another boy later um like when we were a bit older I think it was would have been like just the year before sixth form or maybe even in sixth form I can't remember but I remember that he like really 
wanted to like send me like sexy texts all the time Mm. but again he didn't want anyone to know that we were having these kind of communications that's fucked oh my god i hate that yeah it's it's just like i don't know a really these really awkward memories that are little things but they're actually Mm. because it paints a picture doesn't it yeah yeah, it really affects you. Like, you don't know, like, how those, like, small things really do, like, form how you view yourself. Like, especially at that age. Like, it's really, yeah. It's, it's so mad that we've... Uh, well, Raj, you didn't grow up in a white era, but I did. I grew up in a brown town, innit? Yeah, and I've <laughs> I've had the same experiences as you both. But it's interesting, you said, Emma, about you knew deep down that you were beautiful. I, I didn't, <laughs> which is really sad. Which is really sad. I didn't have that, but I did have that feeling of like, yeah, not being picked all the time. I actually remember like crying about it mm. you know, in primary school. You're at odds with what mm. is seen as beautiful. But then I think me and Raj have had this conversation before. Things did start to change. Like I don't know, Enrique Iglesias started bringing these ambiguous women out, you know, in his music videos. Then <laughs> 2000 and whatever, you got Kim Kardashian. And slowly it was like, well, these people do look more like me. But I was like, oh, but they're Spanish. Like, if we're talking mm. about Ingr- Enrique. But I do remember, yeah, like, you yeah, know, like the yeah. hot European women. I get that. They were like, yeah. they were there. Yeah. <laughs> they were there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think, like, there's a point in there as well about, you know, being mixed and being lighter skinned if you're still the only person like if you're still the only black person Mm. you're the black person yeah yeah so it is a different experience from like growing up in the center of london where there's like a more of a spectrum of blackness and there's almost like that opportunity for colorism to be rife and for it to be like yeah you know for that lighter skinned person potentially I don't know this is not my experience to be chosen mm. over a darker skinned woman but when it's you just like on your own even, yeah on your own that's it you're it like so your experience is that yeah yeah and different. I think that that's something that probably isn't really spoken about enough either yeah mm, true and there's no one to share it with or talk to like yeah figure it out with. exactly it's just you know I'm just going to say to you guys, like, when I was at school, like, guys just didn't fancy me at all. And I couldn't, like, (laughs) it's not, and and it's not that they were, you know, it's not that I was in an area where it was like, you know, boys that weren't my ethnicity. So they might have thought, oh, weird, like, whatever. It was just, I don't know. They just didn't like me. So um, maybe they were. That was interesting. You've got, (laughs) you have so much to give, you know, I would be, I would be, I'd be like, what can I add to this girl's life? You know? (laughs) Shut I'd up. I feel insecure. No, I was weird. I was a really weird kid. Like, <laughs> and also, I had a moustache. I do think you've got a point yeah, there. Yeah, I'd like, be intimidated. Intimidation. Rich. I think. I do think that also. And boys are dumb. Yeah, so dumb. So, yeah. Anyway, um, so don't worry. We're, you know, sometimes they just, even if things are, you know, not like that, they just don't like you anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like, I don't know, man. I just, I can't figure it out. Just like, what was my reason then? Like, maybe I just, I I couldn't connect to them. Yeah. That you were clearly, I think that was that thing that's also going around now. It's like, you're not too much for somebody. They're just not enough for you or something like that. I don't know. One of those, one of those 
good phrases. I don't know. Yeah, bye, brown boys. <laughs> you do say that, like, you know, you try and find people who've got, like, the same interests as you and things like that, and as we all do, right? Yeah. So I think it's maybe yeah. just yeah. that. Brown boys weren't advanced enough for you, Raj. I don't they know. Went- Watching Ginny and Georgia. Yeah. They were watching oh. EastEnders or something. Guys, this brown boy matched with me on a dating app. I'm just going to tell you very briefly yeah. about this week. And he's really pissed me off with his conversations. And like, hold on, you're on a dating app. What? Oh, so you know I'm on Hinge. I've always been on Hinge. And like, he was just like, oh, but I didn't know you're active, first of all. First things first. This is such a shit opening line. Oh, hey, Raj, how are you? Oh, everyone says that. Come on. Anyway, so then he was like, I was like, oh, I'm out here dodging Omarion. I made a joke. He didn't understand it was a joke. Oh, he didn't get it. Oh, no, he doesn't know. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, you need to find someone who's on your level. I feel like that's what you were doing, though. You were testing with the reference. Yeah, that's it. You did. You did test (laughs) and you tested well. And he doesn't he didn't get it. Yeah. You know, the next thing he did was um, tell me how senior he was in his company. But he mentioned the word senior five times in one paragraph. Oh, no. no. (laughs) I feel sick. (laughs) Sorry. You get that in so many times. Like that's I'm like, okay? <laughs> That's really weird thing to say. Why wouldn't you just say your role rather than saying that you're senior? And like once you said it once, like yeah, I get it. I, I get it. Like, yeah. And even if I don't, I can look that up on LinkedIn. Exactly. Like. Yeah, that's fucking weird. My response was uh, that sounds very dot 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 senior. And then literally the next day he responded back, very senior. And then he didn't respond back for two days and then he responded oh to all my questions after that. Oh my was like, God. So he thought it was a joke. He thought it was like a good joke. See, but you need someone who can hold a conversation with you. Like, what was that, Do you know what guys? I mean? Like, that's just so yeah, but- dry. Like, he sounds hella dry. Yeah. Raj, you said you're not ready though. So what are you doing? Just get I off I thought it. a test was. I understand. I mean, you tested and this is what's happened. <laughs> this is the sign you've been waiting yeah. for. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, this is it. This is this it. This is yeah, the sign that Never things mind. are quite dry out there. <laughs> also, my friend, my friend is like, she says, having been on dating apps a few times, that this pre-Christmas period is not a good time. It's usually... Oh my God. Okay, I did not know that. See, it's usually after everyone's been depressed, being alone at Christmas, they go on the dating apps in January as like a new year, new start type of vibe. So is January a good time? No, I think they're inundated because it's like people have had conversations, haven't they? And they're yeah, like, Yeah, exactly. Get it together. I feel like summer's a good vibe, you know? You're going to get the best of people, hopefully. Summer is always a good vibe. But she said also the worst time to be on is obviously in February because that's when everyone's trying to... Oh, hit, no. To oh, no. Everyone's okay. I would definitely there. avoid 100%. March. Um, not like I'll... I was going to go on it anyway. I've been feeling very low, so... I'm not going we can on. go back in March. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be in the right headspace. You gotta be in the right headspace. Ladies, when did it change for you, and when did you start to realize that women of color are beautiful? Like I said, I think I always knew, and I was always told this, and not just in a "you're beautiful" kind of way, but my mum made a real like point of making sure that I understood that from a black women in general perspective. But I think I felt it when I went to university, and I went to university in Bristol. And there was a hell of a lot of black men there. And suddenly people could see me. And yeah. I realised, oh, actually, <laughs> this is going to work out fine. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. 
I don't think my experience is the same in terms of like going to university and then all of a sudden having a lot of attention. I don't, I don't ever think I felt like I had a lot of attention that way, but I will say that it, for me, it was going online and on Instagram in particular, because I feel like doing fashion blogging and like starting, starting that side of like my life meant that I was finding people who I hadn't necessarily seen in the mainstream. I was really into magazines when I was growing up. So that very toxic side of media consumption was like huge for me as like a teenager. Whereas in my 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, I was on Instagram. So I was seeing all these incredible black women, Asian women, plus size women, like disabled women. It was like the women across the spectrum kind of shown to me. And again, I could see how smart intelligent a fashionable like stylish cool like and beautiful they were so that was when it changed for me like I was immediately shown all of these people that I wouldn't necessarily have come across in my day-to-day life especially growing up in Virginia so that was cool that was really nice amazing and Emma what are you saying thank you next to thank you next to the idea that we girls of color are not beautiful thanks but uh next So we're on the third lesson and this one is coming from Nicole, who is going to love us and leave us. It's going to be a quick one. So one taught me that nobody can tell me about me, but me. Tell us what you mean by that. So I will say that growing up, I always struggled with um, people trying to kind of foist my own identity onto me. So, you know, people telling me that I act white or telling me that I'm not black enough or that I couldn't be Asian because I'm black, all of those things. And I used to really tie myself up in knots trying to prove to people, no, I am this. No, I actually, you know, here are my credentials. And I would really get really wrapped up in that, you know, since starting the podcast and hearing so many people struggling with the same thing. Um, since meeting Emma and like being really honest and like vulnerable with each other about how, you know, we grew up, that really helped me understand so much more about myself. And these incredible conversations we've had on the podcast have made me really get to grips with who I am and understand that nobody gets to dictate to me, you know, what my identity is. You know, nobody gets to tell me that I'm not black enough or that I'm only mixed. I get to be as multifaceted you know as a multifaceted human as I want to be because that's just who I am so yeah that's it Emma have you ever been like in that situation where someone's tried to tell you about you and about who you are yeah I would say that it happens like directly and indirectly fairly often because even in just the way people react to you talking about certain things they try to tell you about who you are I feel like when me and Nicole first started this podcast we also had this experience of like trying to approach certain publications for Mm -hmm. example as an Mm -hmm. example who look after Mm -hmm. black content but we were rejected and even though that's not somebody telling you who you are for me it is someone telling me who I am because they're telling me you're not enough of what I'm looking for for this publication. Yeah. I know what we do is incredible and what we have to say is really valid and important and has served so many people. You know, we get messages every week from people, you know, from 16-year-olds, 14-year-olds, right up to like 50-year-olds who are like, I've been waiting for this my entire life. So I know it's not that. I know it's because... I don't fit the mold of what they see as 
the representation, I guess, of of um, blackness that they want to portray as an example. But yeah, I feel like people always do this thing where they're like, correct you. So like you'll say, da, 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 mm. I'm black. And then they'll later on say mixed or whatever it is that they want to bring into the equation when actually we're probably being quite purposeful about how we're positioning ourselves in any given environment. Um, and like I said, I think that's our right to do so. It, it so happens that we are, in fact, multi-heritage, mixed race. So yeah. we, we can claim yeah, whichever 100%. facet of our identity we want to at any time, in my opinion. Raj, have you ever had anybody... Um questioning your brownness all the time standard especially you know I mean before I feel like I was very much into Bollywood everyone knows I can speak the languages and do all of that but then it's like my interest in American movies British pop culture like, I know everything about anything just put it that way like so I, I watch everything you're a geek aren't you yeah a song will be on the radio <laughs> and I'll know all the words and stuff and I'll know all the lyrics and like you know that's the shit I geek out on that's the shit I love and even theatre, theatre is a weird thing, I think, for a brown person to like, despite the fact that it crosses over with Bollywood, for God's sakes. Bollywood is musicals. That's all it is. But anyway, um, people mm. don't really get that. And I always feel like I'm different. I'm always made to feel like I'm different. And I'm always made to feel like I'm different because when I think about things, I think about mainstream things. Maybe I don't think about like the niche things or, you know, and I think that's something as well. We Even with this podcast, like we don't think we're doing something that's niche. We don't think we're catering to a niche audience. We think anyone can listen to this podcast. And of course, when we were working on it as well, I think our ideas for it were very mainstream and like we wanted to be in mainstream places. And like, you know, thankfully we've got into a few of them, but like there's a lot of places where I would have thought where we're at now, that exactly like what you're saying, where we would have been, but we're kind of not because our narrative isn't, mm -hmm. oh, we are brown girls that were held back about being brown and uh, being in the UK has helped us to, you know, I don't know, be free and express ourselves free. That's not our narrative. Like we don't come from that kind of a background or anything. And I think that's mm -hmm. where sometimes I'm kind of like, I've always felt different th like throughout my life, but even now it's like, this is a, I say this to Hardy all the time. I feel like this is like a, a glass ceiling that we have to shatter now. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's a good way of putting it. I feel yeah very similar. I feel like to your point about this person saying that they were senior. <laughs> yeah. Um, whilst that was extremely <laughs> jarring, I'm now going to like start talking about being senior. Um, but <laughs> you know, when at you least get... you warned us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I warned you. You know, when you get to a certain place in your career, and. Yeah it's almost unavoidable, the constant pushback. Yeah. You know, you just can't bob and weave it anymore. And yeah. it's it's just, yeah, it's it's almost a physical reaction to you being in certain spaces, perhaps where people wouldn't have expected you. That feels quite different. Mm. Um, so that glass ceiling thing really speaks to me. Yeah, and it's, it's that thing of like, I feel like people still don't understand so much about being mixed race. Mm. Like there's so many things that they just don't get. And I've had so many conversations like amongst my black friends, amongst my non-black friends. There's not one one story. There's not one narrative. Everyone has a different take on everything. So it's just like, whoa, like. Yeah. But no one, you're right. No one's actually mm. sitting down and asking a mixed race person to speak on Nobody it. Nobody ever asks us what we think. Like, yeah. obviously that's why we kind of started this because we felt it was time for us to have a voice. Usually it's people commenting on what they think and, you know, there's lots of, like, tropes and stereotypes about mixed girls, especially, like, whether it be, like, them being confused or them being easy or them being this or that. But no one ever, like, 
had stopped to sit down and say, okay, well, where are these tropes coming from? And like, what is what is actually the, the spectrum of experience of being mixed? And I think only people are now just starting to realise in the UK, people in the UK have thought for a long time being mixed is being black and white. <laughs> When, of course, that's... You know what? I've got to be honest, right? So, like, I remember having the conversation when Amber... Holly, do you remember when Amber Gill mm-hmm. won Love Island? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it was just that thing of... So, she's mixed race. And I was like, this is the first black woman to win Love Island. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, no, it depends on what she identifies as. And mm-hmm. I was so like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but... What? Is she, is she half white? Yeah. yeah. She's mixed black and white. Yeah, but yeah, it's true. And... I just think, you know, like with everything, people need to start leaning into the conversations and the more conversation we have, the more dialogue we have, the more comfortable it will be for everybody. Um, but yeah. I think the first is probably accepting that there's a conversation to be had and hopefully we've um, gone some way to kind of make that clear. No, 100%. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you guys are there, I think it's definitely like a very important conversation to have and you are going to probably break that glass ceiling. Things are crossed, eh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're senior. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, you're senior. Fucking you're senior, so you got Shit, son. <laughs> I'm so senior. It's not real. <laughs> Write that in your LinkedIn if it's not already. Oh yeah, God, that may twice. be my new. That may be my new like Instagram um like yeah title as well. <laughs> that word makes me want to puke. I hated it guys yeah. I was so triggered and I was telling my housemate she was like there's nothing wrong with that there's that and I was like no there's everything wrong with it I just I just don't understand why that would enter a dating conversation in that way I just like people who are humble do you know what I mean like even yeah. about our jobs I know what we do is really cool and we're very privileged so I'm just not gonna throw it in anyone's face you know no. what I mean if I'm happy I'm happy and that's it exactly so what are you saying thank you next to thank you next to letting other people tell me about me thank you so much for joining us on the podcast ladies where can people find you online and find out more about the podcast um, well we're on all podcasting platforms so apple spotify acast all of your favorite podcasting places but we are also on instagram ourselves i'm at mslade edmondson and nicole is at nicola cran and we also have a book coming out called the half of it yeah which is yeah it's kind of you know, off the back of the podcast, really, it's talking about the mixed race experience. It's got lots of excerpts from other people and about their lived experiences and just covers a lot of topics. So like everything from like the history of mixed people to adoption to, um, you know, beauty standards and that kind of thing. Some of the things we've started to touch on today. And yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's got a lot in it. And I'm really excited for people to, yeah, to receive it. And it's out in March. It's out in March 23. <gasps> um, but it is available to pre-order. Wow. Um, it's a big meaty, it's a really meaty um, project. So that yeah. is why we, yeah, we've needed time basically. Definitely. It is available for pre-order still. Pre-order is really, really important for new authors as well. So um, All right. if you like it then yeah like the sound of it then definitely go and pre-order. Pre-order. And you can do that in your link in bio on Instagram, can't you? You can, yes. Look at that. Set up, ready to go. Look to at go. that. All right, well, well, we'll have to get you back on in 2023. Then. Yeah, oh we'd love that. Please. <laughs> Send us a copy of the book. Signed one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, um, I want you to sign it. Senior. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most senior Never going to go. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Thank You Next. Make sure you share this episode with someone who's very confused about what mixed race means. You could also send this episode to somebody who is getting a lot of opinions from other people telling them who they are. But really, it's like, show up, mind your business. Yeah, I know who I am. Oh, send it to the person at school who pawed you off because they didn't think you were beautiful. But now they've got, now they've got brownting. <laughs> <laughs> if you have something to say about today's episode or you want to give us a heads up about what you think we should do for our Christmas episode, please send us a voice note or send us an email at hi thank you next podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on the socials with Thank You Next Pod on Insta, TikTok and Twitter. And if you like what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on Acast, Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. And do not forget to uh, leave us a review, basically so other people can find us and bond with us and be our friends and listen to our great content. You know, sharing is caring and all that. And you know, our Christmas episodes are always really good, so you want to get them onto the podcast before our Christmas episode drops. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, Raj is saying our Christmas episodes are always good. We've had one episode and we don't know what we're doing for this one, but we know it's going to be good. So. I, the holiday episode was pristine. And now this Christmas, you can re-listen to the holiday episode and the new one. Whoa. There you go. Whoa. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. We'll be back next week with more shit we want to say thank you next to. For now, let me leave you with this thought. We're saying thank you next to men who feel the need to tell you that they're senior five times in a conversation on Hinge. I don't care. Why aren't you asking me anything about myself? I have a cooler job than you. Okay. And that's that, really. Are you not going to say thank you next or something? <laughs> Maybe they really wanted you to know how senior they are, Oh, Reg. whatever. Like, what am I going to do if with that? If you're that senior. What? Actually, I was I was in a room earlier uh, this week with somebody who kept talking about how senior they were, but they weren't saying it like, I'm senior. They were just alluding to it and i was like this is boring so stop please this is what, what are you going to do with that information like and also we're literally at the beginning of a talking stage what's wrong with you're not even going to get a talking stage out of this do you know what i mean i'm not going to get a talking I stage. i think that's what you should reply you should say you're not going to get a talking stage out of this <laughs> i'm just gonna unmatch him man forget it anyway see you later guys bye thank you Night.